following presentation is an association of Gateway City Sports and the In The Zone Network. Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. You're listening to In the Cards, a show about everything St. Louis Cardinals with the latest news, rumors, and views all right here on Gateway City Sports and the In the Zone Network. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. It is another edition of In the Cards, the A-Train Arlington Lane. You can catch our show on Gateway City Sports and the In the Zone Network. This show is sponsored by Cafe Piazza, which you can go today at 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp. Make sure you go and check out the Benton Parquet next door. Get you some wonderful pizza, and you can go and have you a little bit of fun to go along with it with uh, ping pong tables and pool tables and darts and pinball machines and pop a shot. They got it all. Uh, party rooms as well. If you want to get involved and have uh, a get-together of sorts, and you can uh, rent out the room if you want over at Cafe Piazza, 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp. Coming up on the show, guest host Palmer Alexander will be joining me of the In The Zone show uh, and one half of the In The Zone Network. We're going to be touching in a bit on the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll touch a bit on the past, like some of the worst Cardinals signings that we've seen and uh, some of the uh, worst moves he's seen in his life and some on my end as well. All right, so we'll touch a bit on that. And now it's time for a little in the cards news and notes. As of this recording, the Cardinals have won their last three games, um, an 8-6 win and a 5-4 win over the Diamondbacks, and then they won 4 to nothing in the finale over the Chicago White Sox. However, they dropped four out of six to the city of Chicago, and we'll touch a bit on that in the uh, next segment. Um, there are a lot of great things that we've been seeing, some pluses and some minuses, and we're going to touch a bit on all of that. And uh, right now the Cardinals sit at 29-22. They're tied for first with the ever-so-rival Chicago Cubs. So we'll see what happens uh, as the next month of June is coming up. And um, grateful to see uh, um, Nolan Arenado doing an amazing job with his home run. And also Tyler O'Neill. I call him Mr. Feaster Famine. He hit his 10th home run and he won a... Uh, it was his second home run in the last couple of games. So see what happens with that. And uh, bullpen did an amazing job in the last game against the Diamondbacks. And we'll see what happens as they press forward going into June. All right. So coming up after the break, Palmer Alexander will be joining me on this edition of In the Cards. You can only find it on Gateway City Sports and the In the Zone Network. Hey folks, the A-Train here for Cafe Piazza. Now I know you've heard about our sponsor on many of our shows. It's located at 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp, just a block away from the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Let me tell you something. They have wonderful Sicilian pizzas. My favorites are the Tuto Carni and the Pizza Bianca, especially the Bianca. Try it and you'll thank me later. They also got some wonderful brews, and their great weekend brunch, which is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And now they have added the Benton Parquet. And it's got pool tables, arcade games, pinball machines, darts, and more. 
great for parties, small gatherings, or just a cool hangout with friends. So swing by Benton Parkade over at Cafe Piazza, 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp. You can find them online at CafePiazza.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cafe Piazza STL. And tell them the A-Train sent you. I'm Alexander for the Endozone Network. I want to tell you about newest sponsor, Cross Grand. They're here for all your needs. Videography, photography, weddings, corporate events. Give them a call, 314-719-6593. 314-719-6593. That's Cross Grand, located in the Dutchtown neighborhood. Sometimes you got to cross the street. You might have to cross Grand. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to D in the Zone Network. This is it. Back on this edition of In the Cards, A Train Arlington Lane. Show sponsored by Cafe Piazza. Make sure you go today to 1900 Arsenal Street, the corner of Arsenal and Limp. Also, check out the wonderful Benton Parkade next door. You know, you can get it in on some great games that you can play pinball, pool tables, arcade machines, dartboards. They got it. And enjoy some of their wonderful Sicilian pizzas on deck. Over at Cafe Piazza, 1900 Arsenal Street, at the corner of Arsenal and Limp, a block away from the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. And joining me in the studio, filling in for my man Gene Barnes today, a man from uh, my partner in crime, In The Zone Network, In The Zone Show, Cannabis Corner. You'll hear him on the price check from time to time. Grateful to have him on, and we get to talk some Cardinal baseball together. Palmer Alexander the third and prep hoops. That's right. We do it all. Yeah. At the network. Yes. So make sure that you follow today. This segment is sponsored by Cross Grand Photography. Um, got to get into it a bit about the uh, the birds on the bat. They sitting right now. As we're doing this recording in first place at 29 and 22. But still, they don't look like a first place team. But here they are nearing the end of May. And they're right there at the top. And I don't know, man. I'm looking at this season and it's like offense has been inconsistent. The bullpen has been inconsistent even after their win last night against the Diamondbacks. They won 8-6. to six. The bright spot to me was Jake Wolford. Two and a two-thirds innings and six strikeouts in that amount of time. That's, that's phenomenal. But I don't see that from him a lot of the time when he's out there. They had to relieve Oviedo. Four and a third, but he had six freaking walks. And I've been questioning him, but others have questioned him. Even my man Gene, who is not here, has questioned him. It's time for a change. It's some somewhere down the line. Offense has been right now a trying to stay on par. Six, I think five runs the night before and eight runs here. What needs some things have to be changed. I don't know. And you know, it just kind of, kind of, kind of keeps going back to. It goes back to the front office, and everyone loves to trade. And you know that they got Nelson uh, Arenado. They love that trade, but there's still more that they need. And yes, they do love Nolan. They I, do love Nolan. And, and and listen, he he's. He's definitely been everything advertised, despite you know the errors. Yeah. Despite the errors, still uh, some of the plays that he made in in the most recent game were just outstanding 
um, you know, at third base. But they just need they need more help. And I'm telling you, man, they missing Colton Wong. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I'm sorry because yes. because uh, I'm a little just just disappointment disappointed. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, with Tommy Edmond, you know, in the most recent game again, you know, two those two errors, and this just not the type of pitching staff that can be able to pitch around those types of errors, and and then with the offense being inconsistent, the way that it has been, so no, you can't you cannot afford to be uh, giving away extra outs. In the end, you can't afford to be doing that. And I felt that game it got a little closer than, than it should have been. Yes. In my opinion. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, when I look at Johan Oviedo and I'm looking at the makeup of work, he didn't do so hot in the bullpen and he's not doing so hot in the starting rotation. However, Mike Schilt feels he should be there. And that is in the question a lot of times because when you don't have great starting pitching, granted, he only gave up a run or two, but he has six walks. Those can always come back to bite you if you're not careful. And granted, like you said, the errors. Tommy Aitman has been doing very well at the plate, but it looks real shaky on the field. And Tyler O'Neill, my favorite, Mr. Feast in Famine. Not too many guys that I like. <clears throat> Mr. Feast in Famine. Everybody's sitting there saying, wow, what a guy we got. He got the power. He strikes out a lot. He won a gold glove, which I still question to this day. He plays to me. I don't care what you say. He reminds me of Marcel out there. Average. Slightly below it. He got the power. That's no given. He's missed, like I said, he's missed the feast of fam. Because you don't know what you're gonna get out of him. He's perfect in the lineup where he's at. At six. Yeah. Because you don't because you don't want to put him at the top and he does not perform well. Because he has the ability to go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. But I think now. I think he's at least found himself, and and I wouldn't have him hitting no lower than maybe seven, but exactly. I think but but six or seven, I think that's suitable for him. But he's a guy again, a young guy that I just don't think the Cardinals have had in a very long time that has been a part of their organization that they drafted or 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 obtained via trade. And came into the organization and now is a contributor. Uh, we, we talked before we start recording, you know, like guys like uh, Luke Voigt, for example, not that you see in the, the impacts that they have now on the field. And they could have been in St. Louis and we're missing out on those guys. So maybe, maybe that's me holding on to O'Neill and kind of just still kind of. Uh, uh, Hoping and Gene Gene noticed because I've I told him before I said this 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 my guy I love the power, but I always said that if he cuts down his strikeouts if if you get this guy hitting hitting about two seventy maybe two eighty, this guy and stays healthy he can hit you thirty home runs if his average improves and he cuts down the strikeout he going to hit fifteen more home runs because he has that kind of power. And we was another time we talk a lot, but another time, his power reminds me of Matt Holiday. Yes, yes, that voice that you hear is Palmer Alexander the third, one half of the In the Zone Network here on In the Cards, sponsored by Cafe Piazza STL, and we're talking a bit about the current status of the team right now as we're doing this recording, and. Speaking about Tyler O'Neill, that he's bringing the power that the lineup desperately needs, but it's like in the field, it's the same old, same old that we've had within the last, let's say, five seasons or so with defense. And you talked about Colton Wong not being a part of this team. 
granted, I would have loved if Wong had stayed. Edmund would out would probably been out right field or something, been in the outfield. I mean, people looking at him as a utility player that could turn into an all-star caliber, sort of like how Matt Carpenter was when he was getting his power stroke together from the years of 2013, 14, and 15, even in 16. But but you knew from the start with Matt Carpenter, he had extra base power. And, you know, then that's what made him... Um, uh, so important to the team as they transition, you know, post the Tony LaRusso era. And I looked at him more like with Wade Boggs. I was thinking of when Matt Carpenter was coming up. You know, I'm not expecting him to hit 20 or 25 home runs. I'm expecting him to get on base and dial down to get 300 or 290, 310 year after year after year. But then he started finding the power stroke. And then he starts swinging for the fences, just like our good buddy Harrison Bader. You know, that's even though he's on the the IL right now, along with Paul DeYoung, my other feast or famine guy. Right now, he's looking like his job is gone. But see, he's all, in my opinion, he's always been more famine than feast. And who who doesn't love that type of power from a shortstop? But my goodness, he can't hit worth a damn I think nowadays you got to be able to at least hit for an average especially in the National League where the pitcher hits so it's important to maximize every single excuse me every single position you know one through nine in the lineup well one through eight absolutely and that's like one of the big things when you're playing National League organizations is one through eight because you got to worry about the pitcher slot. And a guy like DeYoung, I'm not expecting a 240 guy and 300, uh, excuse me, 30 home runs, uh, which he did a couple years back. He was able to pull out that stunt. But right. that's still right. not acceptable. Same thing with... Matt Carpenter, he was able to pull off that stunt. It's still unacceptable. Because it's like each year with those two guys, they keep regressing. Their strikeout rates are going higher instead of going lower. But that, again, that goes back on the front office being complicit. And it's it's like they spend money. I'm not going to say that they don't spend money, but... It just the way they spend money is so irresponsible, in my opinion. Um, you know, I didn't know they uh, they gave Goldsmith like that extension. Yes, and and you know you kind of start to worry because you look at the guy's age and and you look at his productivity. You look what he what he's doing now, and you're like, uh, wow, do you really want to be hamstrung to that? You know, to that extension. And you got to be looking down the line like, who's going to be replacing him? I mean, so the Cardinals have uh, Yadier and Molina. They still have a lot of other positions that they got to be looking to be able to field or have some guys on the radar. So if the, I, I just thought that if you already kind of had something in place like they did uh, prior Shield becoming manager mm-hmm. because they 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 had it they had a a, a a world championship model and now now you look at this team ten years later you look at this organization ten years later and it's just it's a shame it's just a shame to see where it's at today because it's it could be so much better in my opinion it's all about getting by. It looks like with this organization, instead of championship building, contention building type teams, because now the National League West is stronger than it's been in a long time with the addition of the San Francisco Giants. Because remember last year, the Padres and the Dodgers was in, of course, the Dodgers winning the world title. Now the Giants are back in the fold once again. 
That's scary. And they're not scared of the Cardinals. You can't sit there and tell me that this is going to be a team that I'm going to be scared of. Case in point, the Chicago teams took four out of six from the Cardinals. That includes the White Sox. They're not scared. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing that got a lot of people concerned, as they should, because even though the Cardinals are in first place, they feasted on the NL Central, which is not dominant at all. And you know, and I and I talked to Gene yesterday, and I told him, I said, I don't see a team in the West that the Cardinals can be able to beat. Uh, as this team is currently constructed, I just I just don't see that because they need a little they need a little bit of some of everything in in that in that lineup, you know. But they they close, they close, but they still need some some moves. And I wouldn't want to waste a guy like like Nelson Arenado and even Goldsmith. Now that you got those extensions. And you got Flaherty pitching lights out. I would, and, and you got Molina on his on on his last contract or two, and Rainwright. You got to go for it. Absolutely, and <laughs> I love how you call him Nelson. <laughs> I do. And my thing is with this group here. I mean, no, excuse me. It's okay. I just love how you called him Nelson. I wasn't t- holding it against no, you no, because I was thinking about the other, um, the other ball player named Nelson. Okay, and, and that that was kind of name was similar to uh, Arnado. Arnado. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I saw was the Diamondbacks broadcast. Don't get me wrong, the Cardinals broadcast is the Cardinals broadcast. I just don't like their color commentators, so I will listen <laughs> to the other side. I listened to the Diamondbacks broadcast with Steve Berthume and Bob Brindley, and they said this. And when I, we spoke about this a little bit the night before. They said on the telecast, if there was one guy, because Arenado hit a home run last night. So they said between Goldie and Arenado, which one would you pitch to if there's runners in scoring position and it's late in the game? Are you going to take Goldie? You're going to go after Goldie? You're going after Arenado? Both of them within not even a single snap. They're Goldschmidt. Because Goldschmidt has not done what he said he's supposed to do. They've seen him play in Arizona, and they know that he is a slow starter. He does pick it up by the time the summer gets hot. When it gets hot... Balls start flying off everywhere. Them first two months, he is very, very slow. Can't say the same for Arenado. He's been working hard at the plate. And when you know, when you're a player, when you come into St. Louis, especially when it's a superstar, an all-star that has been through multiple all-star appearances, excuse me, appearances, gold gloves, the whole nine playoffs, you expecting the best when you get him here, when you get here. Case in point, Matt Holliday. Uh, we had Larry Walker, Will Clark, all these superstar guys. McGuire, even though I didn't pan. Can't, can't say Pujols because Pujols was drafted in. These are people that's been traded into the mix. This is what the days of Walt Jockety was like. When you knew, when you brought in an extra core piece, you was expecting him to get a core piece, and it was going to put them over the top. It was going to get them to the playoffs. It was going to get them a run deep to a potential World Series or a National League championship. You saw that. But now it's like, I just want to get by. And how is that acceptable? And how is what Goldschmidt doing right now is acceptable? It's not. And I don't think, I think, again, um, who do you got around him in the lineup? You know, are you getting guys on base in front of him? Now, I, I did see, uh, like, I think a week or so ago, he had a situation, bases loaded, nobody out, and, and he popped up. It was disappointing that, you know, he didn't want able to drive any runs in. But um, I just think that the quarters got to get back to 
having a lineup structure with with a with a sufficient and consistent power, you know, through through their lineup. And that's just one of the things that really made the the Tonga Rusa era successful is that if you just if you look how those lineups were structured, even one through eight had extra base power with the with the with the bulk of the power being between number two and number seven in the lineup. Yep. So dangerous. Dangerous. So it was hard to pitch around people. You know, so they had no choice but to pitch them. So there's really no incentive to uh pitch to Goldsmith, you know, and I see a lot of pitchers also challenging him too. That's the thing. That's why Brindley and Perfume said what they said. Is that I'll challenge Goldschmidt before I challenge Arenado. I'm walking Arenado before I even dare look at Goldschmidt. And then, and then Arenado hit a home run off his fist. Exactly. Unbelievable power. Mm-hmm. And out in the field. You know, despite, I think he got, what, seven or eight errors. I was surprised to see that number because I have missed a few games here or there. But the times that I look at him, I was like, Come on, Nolan, get it together. But he's human just like anybody else. Now, will you be mad if he doesn't win a gold glove and keep the streak alive? Because right now, he's every time he's been in the league and after the season is over, he is handed a gold glove award. Does that change? Hmm. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll I guess we'll see. That is Palmer Alexander the third. This is the A Train Arlington Lane. This is in the car. It's about to take a quick timeout. Come right back with more of the show. When we come back, we gotta talk about some of the worst Cardinals that have been featured on the roster that since we have been alive. So that could stretch over 40 years. So and I know you may have some comments about that. We'll take them. Make sure you go to In The Cards, P-O-D, on Twitter. We'll come back with more of In The Cards right after this. You're listening on the In The Zone Network. In the zone. They all want to know who, what's causing all this. In St. Louis, the talk of the NFL, a talk of professional football, is alive and well again. Now you got you got Benjamin Albright and, and Albert Breer on the air in St. Louis radio talking about the possibility of football coming to St. Louis. But why is this happening? You know why? Because Derek. King sparked the conversation on the In the Zone Network. This is In the Zone. All right, so since, so please tell me what gets you in the zone. Um, I'm really in the zone when I feel like I am working on gladiators and 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 empowering women to to be them best their best self. So like I that that's when I'm in the zone. That's when I feel like I can work for hours. That's where I feel like. I'm my most creative. Um, that's yeah. That's when I'm in the zone. On the In the Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In the Zone Network. This is it. Back on this edition of In the Cards, the A-Train Arlington Lane. Joining me in studio is my partner in crime of the In the Zone Network, Palmer Alexander III. And before the break, we were talking a bit about the Cardinals and what they need to do to, in our minds, especially as we sit right now, they sit at 29-22 in first place. Seems good, but not so much. However... I did say as well that some Cardinals that have come through here have not done so hot. 
in our minds. And I can already think of one that comes to mind. And it was in the years of 2002 and 2003 was Tino Martinez. Yeah, he was the first guy that that, that came to mind. And it was, he was just absolutely awful. And what pissed me off about him was he had to go to be upset because he didn't get booed because he uh, wasn't giving us any kind of production at the plate, no power or nothing. And he was disappointed he got booed. So I couldn't wait. I said, well, you want to get, you want to feel like you in New York? Well, I will boo your ass like you in New York. (laughs) That was one thing I was like, when they got Tino, I'm like, oh, this could possibly, possibly get them over the hump. Like I was looking forward to that 2002 season, man. What Albert was able to do, and you know McGuire retiring, and and Martinez coming to take over for McGuire. His his Yankee mutant powers were over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, come on, man. Are you serious right now? Yeah. Like he was probably one of the worst that I had seen come over. I was at the game when he got into the fight with uh, Dave Batista. Not 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 Dave Batista that was in Army of the Dead, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arizona Diamondback Dave Batista. It was a it was on a it was a Sunday afternoon game, mm-hmm. and I I just had me sitting on the first base side, and that was that was pretty cool, you know, seeing the fight, you know. It, yeah. It, it was it was pretty. It's nothing like seeing a fight. At the game, you know what I'm saying, live instead of being, you know, watching guys and watching on TV and whatnot, because your drilling is pumping even more. Yeah. Because you're right there in the field and you can you can hear all of the Mary Francis going on. <laughs> <laughs> they said Mary Francis a lot down there. Another person, I mean, yeah, granted, yeah, Dino just stuck it up here. And and I think he did it on purpose. He did no you can't suck like that on purpose, man. He <laughs> It's, I told you his music powers were gone. His Yankee music Yo, powers man. were gone. I mean, they would have treated they. Most St. Louis fans treat guys with class. Like when Larry Walker was here, classy guy. When Will Clark was here, class. But and but think about this: when Larry Walker, he helped this team get to the World Series. He was still stinging the baseball. Will Clark was still stinging the baseball. It did not happen. In that instance. Yeah. And that's and that's sad, man. Another person. Kip Wells. When he was here. You probably don't even remember that he was that's, here. Yeah, that's that's one of uh my brother favorite guys. <laughs> I, you know, Kip Wells, I just you know, uh you know that gift with the Robert Downey Jr. with the eye roll? That's what <laughs> that's Yeah, what man. I mean, he got like... good stuff though. I mean, don't get me wrong, he got he got some good stuff, but I just like why him. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of Dave Veers when he was here. Not a fan. You know, he sometimes he got the job done. It's just like overall, nah. But you know what? Dave Veers got into a groove, and I just got comfortable with him. I don't I, because he when he was consistent. I mean, the guy was pretty much automatic for 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 a while but he just couldn't afford to get behind in the count because he didn't have the he couldn't he couldn't gas i think he threw like 86 you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but he, he was effective throwing 86 i think well he was the close on 96 team wasn't he what, no, no no it was dennis eckersley, that was eckersley was what, was, what was that, that had to be like 98 99 okay. 2000 yeah so he was just kind of he got by because his location was good. Yeah. But you got to think about Dave Duncan was the pitcher coach. So Dave Duncan definitely deserves to go into the Hall of Fame because some of some of the pitches that I saw during his time here in St. Louis, just the way guys were pitched with with not 
maximum velocity and still be able to throw jams, unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I would have put Kent Bodenfield on this list, but he won oh, no, 18 you, yeah, games. You can't put him on that list. You, you he, won, he won 18 games in 99, man. You know can't what I'm saying? And, list, and, yeah, and I, that's yeah. what I was like. I can't. Yeah. So, Kent Merker. I could put him on that list. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? But Kent, Kent, in my opinion, was on fumes when he got here. So, it was cool to have him a part of the team. He had some good moments, but in my opinion – he was already toast when he got here. Fernando Valenzuela. They should have never signed they, no, him. They should have never, never brought him over. never did that. That was a mistake from the get-go. Danny Jackson. They should have never did that. <laughs> they should have never did that. Mike Morgan. When they said that, like, he got – he's probably lost more games than any other pitcher in Major League Baseball. Here. Why do that to him? But at the same time, his stuff was good enough. That he pitched almost, he pitched a long time. He pitched for a lot of teams. It's amazing how many teams that he's pitched for. But that just lets you know, because he's definitely lost more games than he's won. Right. But his stuff was so good at times that, you know, why not? You know, but it's he's one of those unique guys. And like, but I was getting off wondering, like, what the hell the Cardinals want with him, even at this stage of his career? What mm-hmm. is he going to give you? Because you know, you know, he's not a five hundred pitcher. So if 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 this guy can get you, he's one guy. Like if he if he's five hundred, you you you're happy, you know, because he'll have a, he'll have a a, a a a season where he's like thirteen or sixteen. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll get you thirty starts. That's the thing. That's again the Cardinals want to be so damn efficient, right? They'll get a guy that get get you thirty damn starts, and they don't give a damn if if his what his record is right seven and twenty three. He got you thirty starts. (laughs) 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 That's true. Another guy that that I didn't believe should have ever been a Cardinal was Jeff Brantley. Now, granted, they brought him over when he was what was it ninety six? He had the forty four saves. With the Reds, just wasn't I, that guy. He, he he wasn't that he wasn't that he he was not that guy. And um, I felt I felt I felt bad for him, but we found out quickly that he wasn't that guy. Really, Ricky Botalico, he wasn't he wasn't man. You shit. talk about a bum. Yeah, see, I, and he had the nerve to go and talk about. Uh, Cabrera, the way that he did when the Phillies, when they was playing the Phillies, him and John Cruz, uh, he, he got he got his damn nerve. He exactly, blew, he blew up all the time, every time. <laughs> now that is a signing I wish the Cardinals never made. Yeah, oh yeah, he was. Oh, but that was the, horrendous. But at the moment when he was signed, people was was happy. He just did not have it, and I think, I believe. That's when Juan Acevedo actually uh, saved the game during his absence. And then we like, okay, we want Juan Acevedo closing the game because at least he has some gas, right? He threw the ball hard. And, and, <laughs> right. You know. Those teams, 98, 99, 97, those time periods where it was just looking real bleak that the Cardinals weren't going to get back to – uh, prominence again You know 2000 was great You know Got to the NLCS You know They won the division Granted they couldn't get past The New York Mets Because the New York Mets Was on a complete high You know And you know I was surprised with Andy Bennis As strong as he was He was the only person To win a game uh, In that NLCS And that See that Again Is a, is a testament Of how great of a pitching coach Dave Duncan was because Andy Bennis wasn't wasn't thrown over 85. He threw he threw anywhere between 80. I think he may have touched 87 maybe once. Maybe once. But his pinpoint precision, being able to spot the fastball in on the hands at 86. And which, if you can spot it, 
it'll get up on you and it, and it seemed like it faster than it is but and the up was giving him the corners and he just kept painting them inside outside inside outside inside outside and then when he come with something off speed they couldn't even do a damn thing with it he just he was just it was just amazing watching him uh work you, you know working being crafty instead of being the power pitcher that we saw in the his first incarnation with the Cardinals. Right. Exactly. Now, looking at some of the guys, you know, that we've had, I don't think Heathcliff Slocum was a bad pickup for the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, it's it a little weird, he, but he was he was okay. Yeah, that's a he can't put him on the bad the bad list. Um See, Manny Highboy was within the, the Cardinal organization, right? Or was he traded over? No, yeah, he was uh, He was another guy that I think the Cardinals acquired in the trade. And he showed some flashes, I think, you know, after he had the 40-man call-up. And he looked so impressive that he had us thinking that, okay, he's going to be the next Pedro uh, Martinez because he just had such great stuff. But he just could never be able to pull it together. He just couldn't, ah. you know, as, as a starter, and even as a, he had some brief success as a reliever. But it's just so unfortunate, though, because, he had, again, he had some really good stuff. But he was one of those guys that it just couldn't – he just couldn't put together, even with having Dave Duncan as the pitching coach. And then he had a lot. So, you know, that's – that's crazy. I know there's some others that I can't think of right now. I'm myself, Palmer. I am not a. I'm an '80s baby, but I didn't get a chance to really watch the Cardinals until the '90s. You know, so that was around the time where Joe Torre was the manager. You got to see a lot of Whitey Ball uh, during the '80s. Was there a guy that you were like? He just don't fit this team at all. Did you? Uh, in, I'm talking about in the past, so. Well, it was definitely uh, Neil Allen. Um, I was, and the Cardinals got him in the trade, the Keith uh, Hernandez trade in 84, I believe, which it just broke my heart. And um, i never forget my aunt being upset about it. And. She said the Cardinals got Neil Allen with his funky ass. <laughs> <laughs> but this is back, you know. This, but this is back in the eighties. So, uh, uh, you know, that was just something that Cardinals. It didn't matter. Cardinals just crossed all the color barriers. Yeah. So, you know, you know, so growing up on the North Side, I mean, that's something that we did. We watched a lot of Cardinals, and so. That was just a family tradition. So, yeah. uh, so during the eighties, during that time, uh, we ate, drank, and slept on the baseball. Mm. Wow! And so that's why I remember, like that in particular. I, I definitely remember that. Could you say that Andres Galarraga is considered one of the worst Cardinal pickups? Because you know, granted, it was only for a season that he was here. No, because when. When the Cardinals signed him, and they was, it was like it was met with some modest applause, right? And only because it seemed like Andres was toast, right? It was just gonna be like his farewell season. It was over because he he had struggled so much. Mm-hmm. But what happened here in St. Louis was he uh, adjusted his batting stance. And once he adjusted his batting stance, he started having some success. Um, I don't know how many runs he drove in, but he drove in. Uh, if you look at the 39. number, thirty-nine. He, okay, so he drove in like thirty-nine runs. But once he started hitting the ball and and and, and having that productivity, he he hit the ball extremely hard. But it wasn't really enough for the Cardinals to. To I guess want to bring him back, and the very next year he ended up being a part of the expansion draft. Yeah, the Cardinals left him unprotected, 
and the Rockies grabbed him in the expansion draft, and he and you saw what he did. Uh, yeah, he he went back on to his Hall of Fame career because he, he was already on that route when he came into the league with the Expos. So by the time when it came, when it came to the Cardinals, he was just a shell of himself. But man, once he was here, he had opened up his batting stance. He started hitting the ball uh, a whole lot better, and unfortunately, the Cardinals decided not to resign. Yeah, and if you want to sit and say, well, they did better when they picked up Greg Jeffries. Greg Jeffries wasn't even supposed to be a first baseman to begin with. They put him there. and But he came out and he did hit 342. You know, I think it was like, I know he's in top five for sure, top three in batting behind the one and only Andres Galarraga, who himself had 127 point higher uh, batting average than he did the previous year, which is, I think is still the highest all time in Major League history. Yeah, Jeffries, that season that he had was outstanding. And he hit everything that came close to the plate. He was just, he he put on a hitting clinic. It didn't matter what side of the plate, he hit everything. And it was just amazing uh, that I, I couldn't stand him when he played with the Mets. And so, to see him uh, hit and play as good as he did and was a highlight, a consistent highlight uh, for the Cardinals and something to look forward to from that team in 93. Even that all-star appearance was was pretty cool. So I'm going to always remember him for that. That that was – I love that signing. Uh, I got Matt Widener that was on the last episode – up in the cards he had made a mention that was kind of funny and one of the worst cardinals i've seen play here was hometown kid scott cooper oh yeah i remember um it just didn't work for him and it was a lot of fanfare and it was just it was just tough for him it really was and and i and i felt bad for him it just he just never took off and I just think it was just too much pressure for him. And we were glad to see him um, get his opportunity because from afar, they would always show his highlights, you know, when he was playing with the Boston Red Sox. Yep. And so what do you think? Even even Brian Dahlbeck, you know, from, from Belleville. So if you see those highlights, uh, that's gonna that's gonna make people want those guys. Even Mark Burley, remember how many years they would keep showing the Mark Burley highlights, and then and in 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 a way you start to kind of wish the Cardinals would try to sign Mark Burley, and even to the damn bitter end, <laughs> still, I was, and you know until he signed with Toronto. Right. Um. Back in I think it was two thousand and two. Um, you know, my high school was Luther North. The head coach at the time for basketball was Brent Reeder. His brother Kirk was pitching for the San Francisco Giants. So every time that Kirk would come to a game, whether we was on the road or whether it was at home, that question I always kept. I kept asking them. I didn't care. When we gonna see you in St. Louis? St. Louis wasn't looking for no left-hander like Kirk Reeder, even though. Reader was solid. He did his job. They weren't looking for that. Yeah. But I would have loved to see him in the red bird colors. That would have been great. But finding it's not too often where hometown guys make impacts. Of course, the biggest impact from a hometown guy came from 2011 with David Freeze. And then even that kind of fizzled out himself you know that run kind of hurt as the years progressed but you but David Freeze he did more than just catch lightning in the bottle I mean when you saw him locked in in the zone pun intended but when you saw him that way you said 
why wouldn't this guy hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 RBIs? Because he had power to all fields and when he's when he's on he is on not a bad third baseman either and his ability to be clutch his problem was injuries yeah he was injury riddled but come the postseason after that moment i mean he was he was clutch and even before that he wore the brewers ass out yes he did i especially remember a couple of those games game six in particular you know, when he was just being super destructive. And I'm like, just keep giving it to him. And, and the way he was hitting the baseball, I mean, I'm just, that was the the hardest I've ever heard him hit a baseball. And with consistency. Mm. Wow. That's cool, man. That is the voice of Palmer Alexander. On this edition of In the Cards, hey, we're going to step aside and do one more time out before we get up out of here. And when we come back, I'm going to get Palmer's thoughts on uh, some of the worst trades that he's seen go by here in St. Louis that he's seen and some of the best uh, that he's seen. We'll go back and forth on that. This is In the Cards right here on the In the Zone Network. And forgive me, y'all, Gateway City Sports. We'll be back right after this. Hey folks, the A-Train here for Cafe Piazza. Now I know you've heard about our sponsor on many of our shows. It's located at 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp, just a block away from the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Let me tell you something. They have wonderful Sicilian pizzas. My favorites are the Tuto Carni and the Pizza Bianca, especially the Bianca. Try it and you'll thank me later. They also got some wonderful brews, and their great weekend brunch, which is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And now they have added the Benton Parquet. And it's got pool tables, arcade games, pinball machines, darts, and more. It's great for parties, small gatherings, or just a cool hangout with friends. So swing by Benton Parquet over at Cafe Piazza, 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Lemp. You can find them online at CafePiazza.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cafe Piazza STL. And tell them the A-Train sent you. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you're listening to the In The Zone Network. The following segment contains language that some might find objectionable. Parental discretion is advised. Turning for the final segment here of In the Cards, the A-Train, Arlington Lane. Palmer Alexander III in studio with me, filling in for Gene Bonds. And uh, we've been talking a bit about Cardinal Past, you know, because we've lived through it. We've seen some of it. You know, of course, the Cardinals have been around for over 100 years, and everybody talks about the Cardinal way. But... You know, a lot of us as fans, we get affected when we see favorite players of ours, whether liked or not around the country, but some of our favorites have gone on to other teams and become better. And I know I said trades, but also free agency as well has also played into the the picture. And I was surprised one of the worst moves in my mind, was not keeping Bernard Gilkey. Now, there's a hometown guy that was finding some success, or at least attempted to find some success in St. Louis, but he found it elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, and that was after that 
season that he had. And I think not just him, but Ray Langford, they put some respectable numbers up. And just thinking about it, you we had at one point an outfield of Bernard Gilkey in left field, mm-hmm. Ray Langford in center field, and Brian Joy in right field. We had nothing but brothers. And it, exactly. And I, I believe that year, um, off the top of my head, Bernard Gilkey, he hit 303, 16 home runs, and 70 RBIs. And then I believe Brian Jordan, he had like 300, like 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, or something, some, something somewhere around in that ballpark area. Yeah. Uh, and Ray Lafer had a had a good season himself. I can't um, remember. But but they all had a, had a great season in the outfield, but it gave you some hope because what these young brothers were doing. You right. know what I'm saying? So um, we was I was so happy to see that, but that did you know that didn't last long as as you can see. And then when he went on to the Mets and then I think he had that one career year where he hit thirty home runs and then um, didn't hear much about him outside he had the, the incident um down, I think in in uh, St. Petersburg, but that was pretty much it. But he had that, like I said, that that one career year. So I don't know if he would still maintain that production in St. Louis, but I don't think they would have even appreciated it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that that year you're talking about is '95. They carried the offense for the Cardinals. The other infielders wasn't doing that type of job. Not John Mabry, not Tom Pagnazzi, not Okendo, not Ozzy when he was there, and Trip Cromer. See, guys that you don't even remember. Yeah, but I remember those guys, and they, did, they didn't really offer you. Yeah, you wasn't going to get no offense from Pagnazzi. You wasn't getting much. I mean, Ozzy and Okendo were at the pretty much tail end of their careers. So... They was going. They would. They would still can help you defensively, but you know you wasn't going to get no, nothing extra base wise. And and Mabry wasn't really a power hitter. He was a good contact hitter. Right. Um. So they were still thin. But again, that was just the 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 regime, uh, and the in the ownership. Because remember, the Bush family uh, was in the middle of of selling them. Exactly, and they would wind up going to the DeWitt. So, yeah, I mean, and uh, that whole year was just so painful to watch. You know, it was great to see the the next season with Tony's first year, you know, them winning the the division. You know, that was cool. But other than that, Legend, what are some of the worst moves that you've seen the Cardinals make in your tenure watching the Cardinals? Something that come to mind to you? Well, I think that letting Jack Clark leave after '87, it just was. It, it in my opinion, it just set them back because even if, when they got Tom Brunaski. Well. <laughs> So, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, 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 you may as well say something about the uh, about the Bulls and the Rockets in the '90s. Tom Brunansky. You gotta be shitting me, Jack. Tom Brunansky. I didn't know it was gonna take you to that part uh, of the deep end. You, you just see, I just let you know. Just, just, nah, the, nah, nah, nah. Jack, no. Jack, even that's coming off a season where Jack Clark hit 35 home runs, okay, and he was that big, big bat in the middle of that corners lineup. But think about this: he had 35 home runs, and the power alleys in at the old Bush was 383, 383 in the alleys, 414 to dead center field, and you got a guy hitting 35 home runs. And eventually, the Cardinals end up moving the outfield walls in anyway. 
Mm-hmm. They ended up moving the walls into like almost 375. So it became a more hitter-friendly ballpark. It did. And I, I think a lot of people don't even didn't even realize that. It just it, it amazed me. I'm like, wait a minute. It went from 383 to 375. That's 12 feet. You know, 414 to 400. That's 14 feet. Right. Yeah, you tell what the hell are these people talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one thing that I, that really gets me sometimes is you know we talked about uh, Martinez. We talked about that was that was bad. The deal. Yeah, that was bad. We talked about that one. Yeah. I mean. If you're talking about Carlos, the way, I don't know. $50 million? That's almost like it was throwaway money, the way that they make it seem like. Because I thought at the time they was lowballing Carlos, and I did not know that Carlos was headed towards where he's headed, where he's at now. That he was going to be wild thing for quite a while, and, you know, trying to find that where he once was back when he was an all-star. Yeah, and oh, you talking about, you talking about Tino now it, too? No, 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 Tino. But 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 speaking of Carlos, and I just remember how um, Cardinal Nation, and I don't always include myself in, in Cardinal Nation. Uh, no, but don't, you can say Cardinal Nation. Just don't consider yourself the best fan in baseball. Yeah, that you know that's another topic, right? <laughs> that's 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 definitely another topic for uh, for another day. Yep. But anyway, it don't even matter because I lost my place. It don't even matter anymore. <laughs> it was about Carlos Martinez. Carlos Martinez pretends that <laughs> I only want to talk about him pretending no English, but he did. <laughs> so I'm at the Meadowbrook Country Club. I gotta tell the story, right? Okay. And so. Um, this was after the Albert Pujols did not want to do the interview because you know Brian Stowe asked him about hitting his 500 home run, and so um, little, little, a little bit afterwards, out on the golf course, it's hot as hell, and I'm like, this is why I don't want to cover golf because it's too damn hot, <laughs> too damn hot. So anyway. He go Carlos Martinez. There's some people that definitely want to talk to him, and he just went straight Espanol. I said, "Oh, tsunami!" He went the real tsunami. Oh you? yeah, de- definitely, definitely. I said, "Okay." I said, "Maybe that's one of those things because I remember Edgar Renteria did not do any English. Didn't do any um, interviews because he didn't speak any English or little to, to no English." So I'm like, "Okay." That's cool. But then they come back. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. Kind of like how So Taguchi was when he was here. Oh, that was beautiful. And see, that was another great signing. As you know, that was another great signing. But again, look what was here. Look what was here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you look at worse signings and bad signings. And I think that even during the Larusa era, which. Rick, Ricky Botelico blowing up on the damn mound and and Pedro Barbone <laughs> oh my, and, and Esteban Yan, a.k.a. Burnt Candy Yam, all those guys were just, were just, they were just horrific at the mound, just blowing up, blowing up. But you know what? You, you, you live with that. Yeah. You live with that because of what, the, the the times where they hit they paid off when when they got Octavio Dotel and he was yes. lights out you know during uh, twenty eleven um, do you think Julian uh, Julian Tavares was a bad sign oh I like that you know and, and and listen I know he was a little off and he was uh, and he was uh, definitely a a a dirty ball pitcher uh huh he was he you know but People in St. Louis look past that when he's scuffing the balls here, and you know had the spin rate doing what it was doing. So <laughs> it just it just amazed me how some people 
plush they pearls and they red feathers go everywhere when they saw him doing that shit to the Cardinals. And why did we get Sterling Hitchcock? Okay, never mind. Never mind that. It wasn't Alfred. <laughs> you know I don't stand for a lot of things, right? <laughs> and that sounds like baloney, and I do not stand for baloney. He doesn't stand for baloney. Okay. You take it everywhere you go, don't you? Everywhere? <laughs> Cal Eldred. That's, that's another. Really? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a good pitcher. wasn't good commentator yeah, he, to me. He was. He was on his. La- he was on his last legs when he got here. Mark Mulder. He was the one guy that Ooh. he had. He had. He had great stuff, but eventually it was over for him. Yeah, you know because he he basically broke down. So. Um, you know, the Cardinals were just was was kind of stuck, but you definitely felt for him because you definitely want to see a guy on break in half snap like we saw with uh, with who's the Dave Dravecki with the uh, San Francisco Giants, mm-hmm. you know, with the arm snap. So you definitely you would never want to see that happen again, would you? I saw the Juan Encarnacion. Mess, you know, the thing that happened with him with his eye, you know, and getting hit with the ball, you know, that happened here, you know. So, we've had scary moments that have happened in St. Louis that have affected players for a long time, you know. And I don't know, man, it's some of those guys that we've mentioned. Dustin Hermanson was another to me. Why, you know. Like I get it, you needed bodies, you needed to get get through a season, but why? And as you see, as you sitting here right now, you're shaking your head as you think about this. Like, come on, man, this was under the jockey days. Yeah, but you know what? Still, I mean, they still hit on too many. They still hit on too many. They had some bad ones. But the ones they hit on, there's a reason why the Russo era was the greatest. That's why. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Put a pin in it and call it a show. Before you go, Mr. Alexander, tell the people, the wonderful Cardinal faithful, where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and IG at the legend K-I-L one L and kill. But kill still kills. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that there is to it. That's all there is to it. That'll wrap things up for this edition of In the Cars. Hopefully, hopefully huh, you enjoyed it. Make sure that you tune in to the show at gatewaycitysports.com. You can follow the show on Podomatic and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is the A-Train Arlington Lane signing off. Make sure you tune in for another edition of In the Cards on Gateway City Sports and the In the Zone Network.